What? Of course it looks evil. Looks like something straight out of the nine, that's for sure. But I'm telling you, it's actually an absolute treat. It knew. I'm telling you, it bloody knew exactly what I was looking for. Last sweep, the sweetness run through here. There's nothing I need more than a bit of coin just to get us through. You know, Mary, she's got a cough some bad these days, and those darn alchemists cost ten times what a local witch would do, but, you know, Mary, she's got to be an alchemist. Real medicine, she says. Not just roots and twigs, she says. I hear her, and she's right, you know. One dose of that potion we got up in Tribor did her right. Up in about in two days, she was singing and dancing like she were a girl again. Too bad she didn't last. It's that thing that's to be thanked, you know. Neither a bit of the coin, the coin was there to be had. More than enough for the medicine. Enough for a baker's dozen of hands and feet, or more for a week. Thing of it is, I gotta bring another friend down to meet it, and the coin's all mine. Promise that you'll be taken care of as well, whatever your wants may be. It's just out of town, the river caves down by Flint Rock. I reckon it just wants a mate or two. Must be lonely, that, looking as awful as it does, but it really is friendly. So what do you think? Can I take you down to meet my new friend, Glizok? Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to a very, 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 very crazy episode, episode 99. 99. Holy crap. <laughs> I am, of course, Freeman, the eldest Eisen, which is not true. I'm the youngest of three and not even the oldest in the Uncharted North Network. And uh, today, <laughs> you're the oldest we will in this be... <laughs> Today, we will be run through uh, the creature known as the Aboleth by, of course, my uh, cohort here, James Elder Evil Kid, which is shockingly apt, let's be honest. He's both old inside and out <laughs> and as evil as they come. <laughs> well, that, that last part might not, might not be true, but uh, it but. feels true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Aboleth, 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 Aboleth. Would Aboleth be the plural? That, that almost seems natural to me. I don't know if I'm making that up. Um, it's, it is Aboleth. With an S. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, it is with an S. Okay. Yeah. Uh, these creatures are famous, I believe. <laughs> I know a moderate amount about them, I think. It's been a while. It's been a while since I bothered to look. But yeah, there's lots of tidbits that always stick with the, with a creature like this. So please do re-educate me. If you want to follow along, friends, Monster Manual, page 13. Well, it's an early creature. <laughs> yeah. It starts with A and B, so yep. <laughs> I think I think this is actually the first creature it. in the monster menu. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, they are a wild ride. So as much as I thought I knew about them, there's so much out there. These these creatures have really been shown a lot of love in every edition, and even outside of the role playing game itself, there's there's so much out there. So the reading list is going to be pretty comprehensive this time, with even uh, a couple of series of novels, not even just a single novel. So, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess we should start with their appearance. They are a race of malevolent eel-like aberrations with potent eels. psionic eels abilities. Eels again, love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they start at about 6.1 meters or 20 feet long, which is about the size of an industrial shipping container. That's just a regular shipping oh. container. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
uh, but they can reach up to 12 meters or 40 feet in length, which is about the size of a school bus. Okay. Wow, a school bus? I thought, yeah, I feel like a shipping container was bigger. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen a school bus, I think. <laughs> I thought so, too, but this was uh, this is by our good friends, the um, the measurement of things. We I use them on every episode, so I, yeah. I trust them. I may, have, I may have messed this up, but I don't think I did. School bus feels mm. like it's 40 feet. Sure. Um, yeah. Who knows? Uh, and they weigh about 2.9 kilos or 6,500 pounds. And that's the same weight as a Ford F-250. So I'm sure you're familiar with the Ford F-150. That's like that. This is like that truck, but with monster truck tires. And for people who... <laughs> okay. <laughs> actually, I have no idea what purpose this vehicle what, what could it's possibly yeah. serve. <laughs> It's overkill. That's how you get on the job the, site, man. All of the wrong ways. Yeah, I guess the only so. way to get on the job site. <laughs> <laughs> Built Ford tough. You can have that one for free. <laughs> uh, and they continue to grow throughout their lives. So they look like eels with long tubular bodies and a long tail. Uh, actually, you know what? They look something like this. Oh my! So this is the five E abolith. Um, it. Kinda is like an eel, but after its head, it's pretty much all tentacle. Yeah, and it's uh, it's got that lamprey-like mouth that's always utterly terrifying. Yeah, that was my next. Not, at least it's note. not prolapsing to expose yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my next note is lamprey-esque mouth with serrated jawless teeth, comma Nailed the it. shit of nightmares. <laughs> Seriously, then, though. Yeah. And then it's uh, it's large, longest, um, let's call it a tentacle, has uh, fins at the back for steering. That's essentially, it's a rudder. Mm-hmm. So on top, they're usually sea green, and below, they're this orangey pink that you can kind of see in the 5 ER, but it, those colors come through a little bit better in some of the other editions. Yeah. Uh, as do some of these other points. So they have uh, uh, three eyes and a triangle-shaped head with a beak-like nose. Uh, they have tendrils and a few shorter tentacles. The the tendrils just like drape from their body. You can see it kind of under its under its face yep. gill part there, and then a couple of the the old catfish little tendrils up top. Yep. Uh, its blood is green and thick, and it oozes from wounds like sap, which I just thought was so visceral I couldn't help but Oof. include it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not that's not the kind of maple syrup that I want. But, no, but okay. no, it really isn't. It really, really isn't. Uh, and they have four slime secreting orifices that can be found on the bottom of their bodies. And this slime is this thick gray mucus that covers their bodies, and that's what they use to breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it cannot secrete through these glands, it will suffocate. Okay, interesting. They yeah. breathe through. A mucus. Yep. And they are hermaphroditic. They breed in private, laying one to three eggs every five or so years. The egg then gestates for another five years and then hatches into a full abolith, fully functional, um, fully grown. But they do tend to stay with their parent for about 10 years. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And some of this stuff gets real cool. I don't know how much you remember about abolith, but some of that that stuff is, is... just fucking now, awesome. Now I'm picturing I'm picturing uh 
how adorable it is that this monstrous creature just like hangs out by its egg and like talks to it for five years <laughs> <laughs> so that it can develop and like be intelligent and know things before it even hatches. <laughs> right. Well, uh, let's let's check out the one e art uh, because you're already talking about adorbs, and this is about as cute as it's going to get. <laughs> it looks like a weird spaceship. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, for our audio listeners, this looks like a snail um, with a whale tail and four like omega red style tentacles coming out of its face, and then three. Yeah. Cyclops got summer visors just stacked on top of each other for eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, it is an odd interpretation. Yes. It's yeah. still terrifying, though. Like, if you walked into a cave, which is sitting in, and saw that, you would, you'd shit yourself. <laughs> and yeah, you'd, it's... And then you'd hobble out after that. <laughs> it is not a beautiful creature, that's for sure. No. We'll move on to 2E here. So this one uh, is when they started to get color. This looks a little more like a watercolor. This is where you really get that triangle-shaped head. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks a lot more like like a uh, like a flatfish, like an angelfish. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. They've, they've, they've really got the bottom feeder wedge-shaped, and the three eyes For look sure. like they're facing up completely. Yeah. And we can start to see that bluey green, black, and then the orangey pink spots on the bottom. Uh, this like kind of looks, yeah, yeah. So uh, for our audio listeners, this kind of looks like an angelfish that just has four tentacles glued on its back, and again, three of those Robocop much, visors yeah. just stacked on top <laughs> yeah. of themselves on its face. Yeah. In this case, it actually looks like there's like an iris and a sclera, like separate slightly in the eyes. Oh, I think that might just be. Um, uh, I forget what the technical term, but like light, ref- light refraction. Oh, refraction. Re- re- ref- yeah. Refraction. Reflection. Reflection. Yeah. Reflection. Refraction. I, think, I reflection. think it's reflection. Refraction is when a single beam of light splits into multiple colors. Oh. Oh, yeah. So yeah like okay. When white light becomes light a, refracts becomes a in rainbow. water, but reflects off of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm. And that's today's I'm, episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh- <laughs> that has been. Almost science corner with encounter. <laughs> Almost science. <laughs> well, I'm not a scientist and I can't be sure what I said is correct. And I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> uh, right. I do like that art. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the three art here, which uh, really deviates. This looks, this is some Starship Troopers tyrannid looking motherfucker. Um, and you can see it's, yeah. it looks like it's floating through space. This immediately made me think of Starfinder in that some of the starships are actually giant organic beings and you can like man them and captain them and everything and then they can shoot things and it's got this uh, there's that big hole there uh, that looks like some sort of like breathing tube or something and it just makes you think of it like a space torpedo shooting out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> some yeah. such, yeah. This uh, Abolith comes equipped with photon torpedoes. <laughs> This is a gnarly image. Um, yeah, this one's really interesting, and and we'll get we'll get back to why this is interesting in a little while. But um, I, I really I really dig this one. It's got it's got some real texture to it. It feels like you can you know what that's gonna feel like when you touch it. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's uh it, it, very reminiscent of the coelacanth. Uh, for those mm. those of our listeners who are oceanographers, that that was a fish that was thought to be extinct until like the nineteen nineties. Um, right, and then we found okay. a bunch of them 
Yeah, they're like cool. real, real dinosaur-looking motherfuckers. <laughs> and that's how we roll here at Encounter This. All about them dinos. Love dinos. <laughs> uh, and again, we'll be rel- relevant a little bit later on. And then we have the forty art, where this just mm. I don't I don't even know. Um this looks like the katata fish from uh South Park. Uh, I'm not familiar. Okay. It's uh, uh mm. for those of you who aren't familiar, don't look it up. It's a Lemmy Winks episode. Um Okay. Yeah, I'll t- I'll tell you about it off air. It's it's not worth looking up. Sure. Um, okay. But for our audio listeners, it, it has that big triangular face. It's got those um those ten like catfish esque tendrils. It's it's got some tentacles, and it's coming out of uh, what appears to be the ocean with a couple of its thralls, and it has yeah. those again those tubular glands on the side. But its eyes this time are like these bright red single dots. They're they're no longer yeah. in visor form. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one's, this one's not, I'm not jiving with this one. This seems like a weird, it's just a weird setup, isn't it? That's a, this is like kind of, I probably, you know, cause you know, you probably recall a long time ago, I said, I generally don't like the 40 yard, which I eventually sort of recanted because some of it's really awesome, but some of it, I th- I feel like the reason I'm don't jive with it is because of the, the setup. Like this just looks like the creature itself is fine, but the whole thing is weird. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The creature actually looks like it's like photoshopped onto the the surroundings. If you look at the tentacles, <laughs> it looks like it's been cropped into its own image, which just doesn't make any sense. And the thralls are floating, but they're humanoid, but they're not in the water. I don't think. Look, look at that! Look at that guy on the right. He's got his feet yep. like he's standing on a hill, but the hill's not underneath one of the foot, one of the feet. So it's. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on with this picture. <laughs> yeah, so in 4E, there was a creature called... Um, uh, what were they called? I think they were called the Aboleth um, Swarm or uh, Aboleth Spawn. And I believe that's okay. what these creatures are. I didn't really dig too right. deep into it, but I believe they're a hybrid of uh, of, of humanoids and, and the Aboleth. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were going for an in-world art piece hung on a, a stately manor that is on the ocean. And it's like, this is an artist's rendering of, or something like that, <laughs> to like make it unnerving to an onlooker. That's all I, that's yeah. my, that's my best apology for it. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it, it's nice. It's, it's, it, it doesn't, strike fear into my heart like the other images do <laughs> right yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah uh, and the 5e yard is where we see a return to those visor like eyes and that lamprey mouth um is is on it, full display the the 5e yard is fucking terrifying it's great it's it's easily the best one i think i really like the 2e one but this is yeah, yeah. this is monstrous this is literally terrifying because like even the way the way its tentacles kind of reach off of its like head they almost look like they're arms you know which i'm sure they are to their own degree but like they just look they kind of look like beefy muscular appendages that can that can slap and and manipulate and and crush and and all around fuck you up (laughs) well these these creatures probably can (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited to find out how yeah so uh let's talk a little bit more about them uh, they spend most of their life underwater. 
surfacing to treat with visitors or worshipers. Mm-hmm. And what I think is the coolest thing about these creatures is that they have been around longer than the gods. <laughs> so they were like lurking in the primordial oceans before the gods were even formed. And they would reach out with their minds to seize control of newly formed lives to make them slaves to then dominate them like gods. We should probably throw up a, a content warning. There's going to be a lot of um, uh, gaslighting and slavery talk throughout this whole episode. Oh, yeah. These these uh, these are not going to be much different than than the Niyogi uh, in a way, I would imagine. Um, in in just their, their core concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, while they were taking control of these primordial lives, the the true gods then appeared for the first time on the mortal plane, appearing to smash the entire Abolith Empire and freeing their slaves. Mm. And then Aboliths have never forgotten. That is a direct quote from the PHB or from the Monster <laughs> Manual. Okay. And they dream of overthrowing. Just like the their cousins, the elephant. They never forget. (laughs) (laughs) The old ocean elephant. That's what they call them. The old ocean elephant. So they dream of overthrowing the Pantheon and regaining control of the world. And they have had untold eons to plot and prepare for the perfect execution of this plan. (laughs) And the reason why they've had untold eons is because they don't die. In death, its spirit returns to the plane of water. And a new body regenerates over days or months. So it oh. does not die of old age and will live on indefinitely, even in its current form, excluding for violence and accidents and disease. Those are the only things that can send it back to the plane of water for it to be recreated. Okay. And so it regenerates within the plane of water where its soul or its spirit or soul is gone. And then Yeah, so I'm I'm mixing a lot okay. of previous editions here, sure. but yeah. Yeah. And then I guess they must have a method to plane jump if they want to get back to the old material plane and cause more havoc, but... Yeah, they do. Okay, cool. (laughs) Sorry to keep jumping ahead with my speculations. It's it's all (laughs) good. good. We're we're actually not really going to cover that. We're going to cover how they got to the material plane to begin with. Okay, sure. Um, But we're going to start at the beginning uh, with their creation. And we know that they were definitively created by Piscathesis, which is also known as Excuse the Brood me? Queen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I believe that's queen? how it's pronounced. There, there isn't. Um, there, there aren't pronunciations for a lot of these words. So I'm going to be making up a shit okay. ton of pronunciations. <laughs> uh, see our website encountered.this.ca for the show notes. And what's great and, about and, that? Is, is these are fictional things, so you don't have to worry about offending anybody's culture. Yep. <laughs> you do you on this one. <laughs> exactly. And there's there's going to be some some weird ones. Uh, but but uh, Piscathesis sorry, you said that, is... You said, yeah, you said the Brood Queen, but you wrote Blood Queen. Uh, which... <laughs> oh. Which one, which uh, one is it? <laughs> I, I'm going to say Blood, uh, Blood Queen then, because that's the one I wrote. Okay. All right. Brood Queen works, though. I'm like, we just had a moment like this off air as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. It still works. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, they, you know, what? There, there's a link directly to that page in the show notes. So let's let's check it out. It is, in fact, the Blood right. Queen. Okay. Nailed it. Um, this this episode it's, is it's not just... the Blood Queen is what you're saying. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this episode show notes is rife with hyperlinks to go to directly to pages yeah, of I, Forgotten I noticed, Realms. Yeah. So big Love shout it. out to them. <laughs> uh, 
they are an elder evil uh, who we briefly touched upon in the the, the Nagoi. Neogi. Neogi. <laughs> I'll get it one day. I always say it in my head first and then second guess myself and say it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're an elder evil whose lair is beyond the dimensions. They look like a vast tentacleless abolith with mucus the color of blood. And uh, abolith believe she traveled the currents of probability spreading her seed. So in, instead of like this this actual definite ether, um, this elder evil sailed this this concept, like just was was oh. able to transport via the concept of probability. Of probability. <laughs> I, I it's so silly, but I somehow love it. I love the shit out of it. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Yeah. So I mean so it cool. all it really only makes sense for elder evil and stuff. It's like it's so ridiculous. It's unthinkable, unknowable, and so abstract and stupid. Yeah. But it's not because it, yeah, it just we just can't comprehend it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I th- I think it's such that's such a beautiful element of the design of these creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. Uh, but she is not worshipped, um, but honored with these huge dome windows of red crystal and abolith architecture. So whenever you see these giant red crystalline windows, they are their um a, a tribute to the blood queen cool um and they as creatures understand that their creation was an accident and that their god feels nothing for them okay this single concept led them to true free will <laughs> yeah okay um, and they were created, uh, theoretically created, as the byproduct of an accidental interaction of her body with the material plane. So her body mm-hmm. going against probab- surfing the waves of probability, you know, <laughs> just grazed the material plane, and abolis were created. What's the probability of of touching the material plane? I would say it's probable, prob- probably, <laughs> probably probable. It's immaterial. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so the next is probably the most interesting part of these creatures to me, and that is their memories. They have not only flawless memories, they have hereditary knowledge. Oh, I love this. Yeah, so they what that means is they pass their knowledge and their experience on to the next generation. So when that new Abolith is born, it is born with the entire wealth of Abolith knowledge in its mind. Everything they've ever felt, experienced, it has perfect recall of. It, that's the entire race of Aboliths that have been around since before the gods. No wonder it takes five years to hatch. <laughs> exactly. You're just going to deal with all that. <laughs> and this is how they plan to defeat the gods um, because their memory remains perfectly preserved. And that's why Abolus never forget. Mm-hmm. Or yep. I guess probably yep. more accurately, the Abolus have never forgotten because never forget is definitely something else. Do you okay? I, I might be jumping ahead again here, but uh, do they have a, a method of like once they're out there and swimming around, like the deep sea horrors they are? Uh, do they have a way of like sh- constantly sharing information, you know, live information, active information with each other? To like, are not they all that like hyperlinked I've or anything? Come across. Okay. Um, they're they're not like they're not like hive minded. Right. Okay. Because I'm I'm immediately thinking like okay the the 
uh, one that dies versus one that is born, there is going to be a gap in knowledge between them. You know, even though the one that dies is going to be reformed in the material plane or that water or plane of water, sorry, and, and is you know finds his way back to the material plane, he's still going to have missed out on some things. But the one that's born is like still active there and and like has all the knowledge. So th there's definitely gonna be gaps and holes to fill between each other's memories, which is still cool. It's still fascinating that they're preserved and, and it's hereditary that it passes on. But there's but it's like it's as perfect as it can be. But there there is a gap. There's always going to be a gap somewhere. Yeah. Especially so you together. Yes, yeah, so you're you're jumping ahead just a touch here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, just to go back to to that that memory, sure. um, yeah. that makes them veritable encyclopedias of ancient lore and prehistory. And these lore right. memories allow them to plan spanning eons, which is why it's going to take eons to overthrow the pantheon. Uh, this means that few beings that have ever existed can fathom the context and the extent of an abolist planning. Right. And when they consume another creature, they absorb their memories. Oh, geez. <laughs> the first time they absorb a god, it's going to give them a huge edge against the rest of the gods, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're also very, uh, as we touched on, psionic, um, and they can use their telepathy to read minds of creatures. Usually it's to suss out their deepest desires and using that to manipulate them into loyalty and sure. obedience. But one of the ways that that gap in the knowledge is brokered is um, through civilizations. So mm -hmm. while abolists sometimes live alone underwater, usually in the underdark, um, they are emigrants from the far realm. They're not from the material plane. Uh, inside uh, its okay. lair, its power grows even stronger, and it can override the senses of its thralls, granting them the illusion of the promised rewards. So if it promises you a million dollars and you go into its lair, it can make that million dollars seem as real as it would be outside. Mm -hmm. uh, and society itself was alien due to their racial memories and bizarre psyches. So like the concept of humanity, they just don't fully understand or like intelligent beings. They don't, they're on such a higher level of operation that mm -hmm. they don't understand how other beings can be so stupid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, it's like kind of uh, their own version of the Neogi's like lack of understanding of, of, of emotional intelligence. Like they yeah. just don't, they don't understand like what's sad, what's happy. That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah. And they can live in civilizations together known as broods. These broods ah. are led by overseers. Usually they're accompanied by servitors or minions, specifically the Kuatoa. Um, oh, they're, they're like cities. little humanoid fish guys, right? Yep. Yeah, they're like bipedal yeah. fish. They're batshit yeah. insane. <laughs> I love them. I've never run them, but I love yeah. them. Uh, so that that would be where those gaps would get filled is through telepathic connection to other abolists in these broods. And then, you know, one would make a pilgrimage to um, a, a brood or to a, to a city and then, you know, come away with, with all of that mm -hmm. uh, knowledge regained. Um, the most notable of the Abolus sediment was in the Glimmer Sea, which is a part of the Underdark. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's like Glimmer Sea. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
uh, my brain spelt that totally different for some reason okay <laughs> like glimmer and c smash together listeners i don't know i don't maybe it was just me but uh, it's like the glimmer c uh like as in grammar c <laughs> like was, oh was, gotcha. yeah was, no no glimmer and synonym for ocean yes <laughs> amazing uh, and since they're undying, they have absolutely no fear of death, and they have no concept of an afterlife, as they fully intend to live forever. Like, that is part of their genetics. They cannot fathom a world in which they do not exist any longer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, eh? Like, huh. Unless somehow the material and planes of water were completely and utterly destroyed and were became non-existent they they wouldn't ever be dead would they nope crazy and they are very powerful scions very much like mind flayers and other far realm denizens mhm and the mucus they secrete the it it affects air breathing creatures that get caught in it so like if you okay. were to get that mucus on you like you mentioned it would allow you to breathe in water. It oh. would change your consciousness to that of a mindless serpent. Oh. Um, <laughs> however, it is. Yeah. <laughs> however, it's said that only the most powerful of abolists can accomplish this, like completely destroy your mental faculties and make you mm. into this husk of a of of a of a servant, like essentially an automaton. Yeah. And they're widely regarded as some of the most dangerous beings, if not the most dangerous race of beings in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really cool. And that Head is back a... and listen to Kraken and Deep Scions, their friends. Yep. <laughs> the campaign is growing. <laughs> and that is a, a very, very quick primer on Abolus. Like I said, there is mm. so much more out there. There oh, is... Man. um. There's one little fun fact that I wanted to touch on um, because I thought it was really neat. I love it when when uh, things have borrowed words and stuff like that. So uh, this word is borm. <laughs> it's like broom with the R in the wrong place. <laughs> borm. <laughs> borm. Uh, so this it literally means flow, but it in context it refers to passage of time. Okay. Because they don't, they can't fathom time in minutes and seconds, even though they experience them. That's just not how their minds work. Right. So they refer to them um, like segments of time as a borm. Borm. As a, as a borm. Oh, yeah. yeah. La, la, remember last borm? <laughs> yeah. So that could be an eon. It could be when an I, epoch. It could I be a When I died millennia. and reformed in the flame of water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a hell of a borm. <laughs> <laughs> I was hung over all last borm. Oh man, you really got fucked up in that borm. <laughs> <laughs> that was his goth borm. <laughs> oh shit. Someone needs to okay. put someone needs to put goth makeup on one of these, <laughs> one of these images. <laughs> oh god! Just just Photoshop the crow onto if onto that story. We will put it on our on our socials. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, now we're getting into my least favorite part, where I get to make up how words are pronounced. Yes. 
and that segment is is capped with that these are notable abolists in in the D and D world. The first one is the eldest. So they are an abolith of massive size and malignancy. They are the supreme regent of Shishifu. <laughs> anyone wondering, that starts with two X's. Yeah. <laughs> I-P-U-H-U. Um, so that is the soaring city. This is, uh, this is an abolith um, city. Think Manhattan, but it flies through space and time. Uh, and it came. This is how they came over from the far realm. Was was on these soaring cities. This okay. one eventually was purposely sunk into the sea of fallen stars, uh, also known as the inner sea. Mm-hmm. Um, before later on being raised from that inner sea. Okay. Uh, and the eldest is the only being believed that can unlock the key of stars. Which is, uh, I assume, some sort of MacGuffin from uh, Bruce R. Cordell's novel series, The Abolithic Sovereignty. Uh, We'll have links to that in the show notes. I don't know what the key of stars are. I didn't look it up because I want to read this series because it sounds fucking awesome. Okay. Uh, And in abolith culture, sometimes the eldest is simply referred to as he. Ah. We're getting into a, a... a god and him thing yeah um yeah, uh, yeah okay. and then there there are links to the eldest uh shifu uh the sea of fallen stars all that stuff in the uh in in the show notes as well uh the next one is ilyun mm-hmm. uh they are an abolith that lived in under mountain and they are featured in dungeon of the mad mage i don't know how widely featured i try to avoid spoilers okay. for stuff like this for not only myself but the listeners yeah i mean i but i believe that is it's a comp- compilation of of uh, independent adventures that can be linked i believe is how it works i thought that was a dungeon dive I thought I'm pretty sure it's like you could go in. It's like because you enter the yawning portal to get to the dungeon of the Mad Mage. I, I oh, could be wrong with this, okay. but like you can pick what level you go. You kind of go to, or you can just you can go do one and they're kind of standalone. But you can go level by level if you want. So like you kind of do the adventure either way. Okay, cool. I think. Don't quote me on it. <laughs> I don't plan to. Um, and our last notable abolith that I thought was worthwhile here is Othun. Um, I picked this one because they're the only abolith that was giving a gender because as we touched on at the top they are hermaphroditic uh, mm-hmm. but they are the matriarch abolith of the colony Zen Horlock <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, uh, was alright, that was pretty good <laughs> Yeah. so this is a dwarven city conquered from the drow on Lake Thorot um, in the deep wastes of the Underdark uh, mm-hmm. This whole city, Zanhorlok. Um, uh, so the dwarves live above it in this dwarven, in this drow fortress that they've reshapen to make it dwarven as fuck. Um, and then the mm-hmm. lake, um, also known as Zanhorlok, is um, the name of the Abolith colony. Okay. Uh, and this um, Othun had white barnacles on her skin. 
and this all comes from War of the Spider Queen, which is a series of books about uh, the the Drow and the Underdark. Uh, this particularly okay. comes from Book Four, Extinction. So, mm-hmm. again, links to all that stuff everywhere. I wonder. I wonder if if the matriarch um, side of things comes from a perspective from the Drow as opposed to an actual proper moniker that the abolists themselves would have used probably the leader of said colony but the drow having you know serving loth and having females as the higher sort of the higher gender in, in their own thing in that lore uh they probably just assumed leader there is is female even if it's just hermaphroditic i didn't think about that at all but that makes just an absolute world of sense um, mm. I, I I dig that. I think that's a good. That's what I'm here for. You know, just trying to mop up a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and that yeah. is everything for Abolus. We're gonna we're gonna duck yeah. out for a hot second here, and then we will be right back with the mechanics. And we're back. Ooh. I hope. I hope that worked. I, th- I think we're back. Are we back? Yeah. Let's yeah, can back. you hear us? Can you hear us? Right in if you can't. <laughs> uh, uh, are we on to we're on to mechanics now? We are. We are yeah. Oh boy. Oh uh, so boy. normally we would jump right into um, the mechanics of the creature and and how they work. Uh, today we get to cover a little thing I like to call regional effects. Imagine a star wipe ah. there, those of you who are who are, are watching along. <laughs> uh, yeah, love me some regional effects sometimes, depending. Yeah, these aren't bad. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, all underground surfaces within a mile um, are slimy and wet and are difficult terrain. I'm assuming that's uh, both okay. under and above water. Yeah, I was immediately like, I, you said underground, but I, my brain went underwater. I was like, underwater are slimy and wet, like, obviously. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, okay. Just extra, extra seaweedy and, and, and mucusy and moldy, I guess. Yeah, just like moss see. covered, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all water sources were in, in that same range are super narrow, are supernaturally fouled, and enemies who drink it immediately vomit. Lovely. And enemies who drink it, but not allies. Nope, not allies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so as an action, the abolith can create an illusory image of itself and can appear at any location the abolith has seen before. The image lasts mm-hmm. for minutes as if concentrate. It can speak, sense, use telepathy from the image's position. And uh, if the image takes damage at all, it disappears. <laughs> not just not just imagining like the mama abolith telling the baby abolith now when you hatch make sure you cover all the terrain within a mile and know it very well <laughs> oh god every time you go down a corridor look both ways so you get it all in <laughs> gets into like a fight and the ghost of the mom shows up <laughs> yeah all sorts of side though that's a, it's a it's a it's a simple thing but it's good because it's like 
you know, you could be anywhere within that mile and it'll appear and it could just like basically keep haunting you and disappearing and, and, and kind of yeah. like keeping you on your toes. Well, and it can act as a satellite. So if, if mm. you know, at the edge of that one mile, it, it creates um, an illusory image of itself. From that illusory image, it has telepathy for another 120 feet. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it almost acts as like a, like a repeater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the, uh, uh, what's the creature recovered in uh, Lithids? The beholder that gets like gets taken in by the by the mind flares. I forget what it's called, but it acts as like the communication satellite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forget what it's called too, but yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the Abolith dies, these effects fade with uh, in 3D 10 days. Mm. So, you know, f- as far as non-combatant regional effects go, that's going to make shit very yeah. difficult. It's, it's simple. I mean, you say non-combatant, but um, difficult terrain within a mile, thats that can be pretty tough. Oh, yeah. That can really slow you down for a while in a, in a campaign. Yeah, and supernaturally fouled water, which I believe rules is written means it can't be unfouled except uh, via magic. So if, if there's an yeah. alchemical way to purify the water, that's not going to happen. Um, and right. I believe that... Um, May even cover uh, uh, um, the the first level druid spell. I can't remember what it's called, but it's not create food or food or water. It's oh, it's like, pur- like purify food or purify food and water. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, food yeah, and drink or something one, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, ooh, an actual use for that. Look at that. <laughs> yep. Who would have thought? Finally, ninety nine <laughs> episodes. We got there. <laughs> Uh, and then up next are uh, what normally follow regional effects. It's layer actions. So as yep. we touched on briefly, it's uh, layers are usually in subterranean lakes or in the depths of an ocean, sometimes surrounded by the ruins of a fallen abolith city. Um, but at initiative count 20, it can cast phantasmal force on any number of creatures it can see within 60 feet. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, if it maintains concentration, it cannot take another layer action. Uh, successful save, the target is immune for 24 hours, and uh, though the creature can choose to be affected. Okay. Uh, so a phantasmal force is creating uh, an illusion that roots in the mind of a creature within range, intelligence saving throw, um, failed save, and... The uh, phantasmal illusion object creature or visible phenomenon of your choice is no longer than a tenth of a cube, perceivable by, but only for the duration, which is one minute, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it basically, it just has to be disbelieved. It includes sound, temperature, and stimuli. Um, it's, it's only a second level spell, but it's it's when used appropriately, I'm sure it can be quite, quite... Um, powerful because it says here while a target is affected by the spell the target treats the phantasm as if it's real of course and the target rationalizes any illogical outcomes that interact with the uh, phantasm for example a target attempting to walk across a phantasmal bridge that spans a chasm falls once it steps off the onto the bridge if the target survives the fall it still believes the bridge exists and comes up with another explanation for its fall it was pushed slipped or a strong wind might have knocked it off let's go that's wild it's uh yeah it could be pretty powerful yeah yeah, and this is also wicked thematic because this is what allows the Abolith to make those Thrall's deepest desires come true is that phantasmal mm. force inside of its lair. Right, yeah. 
So uh, a phantasm created to appear as fire, pool of acid, or lava can can actually burn the target. Um, but it does, of course, psychic damage. Yeah. But the target believes it's it's something else. Which is really wild, because imagine if you're playing a character that, you know, that character knows they have resistance to fire, and then you burn them, and then they still take the full brunt, but maybe they're convinced they didn't. So maybe they think they have more hit points than they do. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, could be, it opens a lot a of really interesting doors for Rolfag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the next layer action is pools of water within 90 feet surge. Uh, so what that means mechanically is any creature on the ground makes a DC 14 strength save or they're pulled 20 feet towards the water and knocked prone. Oh, so it's like a like a, a big like a, a surge, like a, a water a wave surge that comes in and like kind of pulls you towards it. Yeah, like tidal forces. Yeah. As someone who's a terrible swimmer and has a pro- pretty proper, I think you know, respect for how terrifying the ocean is. I love I love being in the water, but I I hardly go in. And every, anytime the I feel the water pulling me, I'm like, <laughs> like, like yeah. oh god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> it's some scary shit. I can't yeah. fight this. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so it's so easy, you know, it's so easy to get pulled out and and never come back. Uh, what and the last layer action is the water becomes a magical conduit for the Abolis or rage, so it can target any number of creatures within ninety feet. That is a DC fourteen wisdom save or two D six psychic damage. The caveat is that it can't use this layer action again until another one is used. Okay. Yeah, that's a kind of a fair trade-off um, as yeah. far as mechanics go. Yeah, I mean, as far as layer actions go, I think these are far and away the best we've seen. Yeah, I mean, most are forgettable <laughs> at the end of the day. So, um, I think it was maybe the Kraken that had like that just the big blast of of shock, like electric damage, lightning damage they could do into yep. the water at a pretty wild like radius. And that was like terrifying. Also, that was a, yeah. like, what CR twenty five creature or something like that. So yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say these these are great. I think they 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 line up really well. Yeah. Uh, so knowing all that, what CR would you think this Abolith is? Knowing that it now has uh, regional effects and lair actions, and it's an elder evil essentially. Yeah, I mean, my brain is a little bit bias because i know i'm like only somewhat familiar with uh the representation of these creatures in pathfinder which in particular with path that are first and second edition i believe there are multiple types of these creatures in fact they're called algal foo in pathfinder and aboleths are one of the types of algal foo I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it is so there's definitely multiple crs and, and, and varying degrees of, of strength and within that sort of family of creatures as you might call it um the um uh the other side of my bias is that i'm going to be disappointed <laughs> because <laughs> it's D. uh and that i like i want them to be i want i don't want them to be uh a cr like 20 i don't think that makes sense um because that's usually reserved for like singular entities that are massively powerful there's definitely multiple of these and they're working together to, to agree but i i still i want them to be like cr 16 or some such high but not max um and i really want them to want there to be multiple versions but i have a feeling that's not gonna be the case uh you're i mean 
There are multiple versions. There aren't as many okay. as I would like. There are the yeah. Abolith Spawn and the Alaxian Abolith, which we're not going to touch okay. on because those were specifically uh, featured in whatever that stupid critical role book is that I refuse to um, learn the title of. Uh, critical role book. Was it the the Wild Mount one or something? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I've never read it either. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're not going to go anywhere near them. Um, yeah. That's not really D and D canon, really. I, I know they're partnered, but like, yeah, you know, I also don't. It's like not really the same. Role. I don't. I don't <laughs> find it entertaining enough to warrant yeah. uh, an entire campaign setting. Yeah, never um, been. My or idea. even an hour of my time, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, um, so we're only covering one, is what you're saying? We're only covering one. Yeah. Okay. And, and they is... are CR ten. Mm, all right. I mean, you know, it's, 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 only, a, it's only one part of me that's okay with it, and it's that, like, most campaigns don't really go that far past 10 anyway, so. That's a pretty <laughs> hardcore CR 10. Is it? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so they have AC 17 natural, 136 mm. HP. They're large, listed as lawful evil, and they have a 10-foot land speed, but a 40-foot swim. Mm-hmm. No resistances or immunities to speak of. Dark vision 120 feet, deep speech, and telepathy 120 feet. So mm-hmm. there's something uh, in these in D&D 5e specifically that I have struggled with for a very long time. And that is whether or not telepathy um, is bound to a singular language. We've talked about this, yeah. Yeah, and this leads me to believe that it is not, and I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> you think that the lang- that that telepathy should be locked to a language so that you know? They, I mean, they know deep I'm not speech, thinking at you in deep. Yeah, I'm not yeah. thinking at you in Galactic Basic. I'm thinking at you in English. Why would you right. understand in French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, I struggle with it too a bit. Um, I think because it's such a such a concept that's like i mean it's impossible for us to actually properly imagine right and to try to interpret it in a way that maybe it makes sense that it doesn't it's not locked to a language is that like you have it's not that you are able to plug linguistic words into someone else's mind that you are able to transmit a series of images and emotions and everything that 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 your brain automatically interprets. So it's like it's like the question of like, do that's we think in language. our own language, right? Like like that's been a, a question, uh, like a sort of unsolved, unknown, real, no real answer to the question for a long, long, long time. Do we think in our own native language? You know, people who are bilingual, do they think in their native language or do they think in the language they're using the most often when they're you know not in their homeland? And the the truth. It seems to be, as far as I've known, I mean, it's been a long time since I looked anything into this, but from what I recall, it's that it's neither. You, Your thoughts aren't like, unless you're thinking about specific wordings of things or a script or or what have you, uh, you your general thought processes are not in any language. They yeah. are just thought processes. So and that's what this, that's how I interpret this telepathy is like yeah. you are transmitting thought processes to a, to someone. And their brain is interpreting it in the in the way that allows them to like respond with their own language or some such. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm not even married um, to my own excuse here, but 
So, so what, what to me, um, as a comics kid growing up, what you're describing mm-hmm. to me is, is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, in sure. my mind, if I were to communicate with you in any form, be it verbal, mm-hmm. nonverbal, um, text message, uh, they're all going to be done in the language that we have decided is, is common to us. That's, that's mm-hmm. English in, in the right. parlance of D and D that would be common. Mm-hmm. So when I go to activate something, because telepathy is an active process, I would mm-hmm. need to activate it in a specific language. If I were to just beam you images and feelings according to my my upbringing and my belief, um, mm-hmm. because there's a character in Marvel Comics that can do that, but they are called, uh, but that is not referred to as telepathy. It's it's referred to as um, like empalepathy or something like that. They're they're okay. known as an yeah. empath, and what they're doing is they're conveying emotions. They're not conveying complex ideas. Mm-hmm. They're conveying right. very very bo- basic thoughts and feelings, and we can do mm-hmm. that without a language. But telepathy yeah. specifically does not limit itself in this game to to feelings or emotions or basic concepts. It it's right. used as a full language. Same with thieves can't and, and druidic, which I yeah. also don't agree with. But now um, that, thieves can't a little kind bit of raises. Less yeah, telepathy raises. Uh, I have a question for that that I don't think we can really answer, at least not on the fly. Is uh, is it directly linked to a higher intelligent creature? I know we've covered telepathy on uh, several creatures now, but I don't recall if they were all high intelligent creatures. We've already established that these creatures are so smart they can't fathom the stupidity of others, uh, even if those others are extremely intelligent themselves. Uh, you know, by by comparison to the rest of the world around them. So maybe what you're saying, like I I I I agree, I, I agree with what you're saying, but also they're on such a higher plane of intelligence that maybe they can do the thing that we cannot fathom, and it is project those processes without a language first. And it's not maybe it's not just emotion. Like I'll happily recant that. You know, maybe it's not just emotion and imagery. Maybe it they have the actual ability to transport those processes to someone's brain. You know, I I would 100% agree with you if it wasn't a generalized mechanic. If this was abolith telepathy, (laughs) um, then I'd be on board. But since this is a general mechanic that Mm. uh, first level spells like message can use, yeah, um, message might even be a cantrip. I don't even remember. Mm. Um, I I, I can't, I can't, it can't be that powerful to me. So at my table, telepathy is bound to the languages that you speak and understand. Mm hmm. Yeah, or to languages that you understand, not to languages that mm. you speak. Yeah, um, there's a part of me that just finds, ultimately, to telepathy to be, I don't know, it's like a bit too cliche at this point for me. Like I don't find it to be interesting. Like oh, and then the spooky voice enters your mind, like, and it's from this big bad creature. I'm like, cool. Like, I'm not scared of it anymore. You know, right? <laughs> it, like, the, the market is definitely oversaturated. But yeah. <laughs> if it actually happened to you, you would shit oh, a awful. literal brick. <laughs> yeah, because shitting an actual literal brick would be more realistic than it happening <laughs> to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that would be the current of probability that I'd be serving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, listeners, write in and tell me why oh, I'm yeah. wrong yeah. about how telepathy works. Um, I would love a good, solid argument for transcending the boundaries of I mean, of does language. Professor X only ever communicate in English yep. via his mind? Okay. 
That's yeah, like there's a, there's uh, well he he does also speak a bunch of different languages, but there's um yeah. there's not a single point where it's ever acknowledged that you know he's speaking like Urdu in Storm's head or you know um, right. Creole in Gambit's head. Like that's mm-hmm. never ever established. Other languages mm-hmm. are established um, using the the triangle brackets, um, but they also have an asterisk and a footnote saying translated mm-hmm. from. Uh, so okay. in uh, telepathy in Marvel Comics specifically is never um, everybody speaks English because it's Marvel Comics and if they don't speak English <laughs> they they you know it's translated to English for us um, and maybe I'm wrong maybe there's an incident of it I'm not I'm not an end all be all and I I don't like Professor X so I tend to um, lose the storylines in my brain where he's a big part of yeah because uh, he's kind of kind of a monster and has been since the the <laughs> 70s and nobody decided to acknowledge it until like the early aughts when cyclops turned yeah. on him, but <laughs> that's fine yeah uh okay back to uh professor <laughs> aboleth classic tangent <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, get so out. far, we've got nothing interesting other than the debate of telepathy. What else you got? <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're amphibious. They can breathe both air and water, though that's not technically true. They can only breathe water through that gray mucus they surround themselves. Mm-hmm. They're actual air breathers. It's yeah. that mucus so that, that filters out that the is, oxygen. It just assumes that the mucus is there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, their next ability is mucus cloud. When underwater, they are surrounded by a mucus, and anyone within five feet must make a DC 14 con save. Uh, failure is they are diseased for 1d4 hours and can only breathe underwater, like we touched upon. Oh, they can only breathe underwater. Yeah. Okay. Their next ability must is must be a probing. really pain in the ass like transition. You're like, okay, 1d4 hours. Okay, how many hours is it going to be? Is it two? Is it two and a half? Like, okay, just like floating just by the surface. Okay, <laughs> exactly. wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> well, just because you breathe underwater doesn't mean you can swim to the depths of the ocean, right? Like the, the pressure yeah. would still crush you. So you're still going to yeah, be within true. the first 20 that's meters. True. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's going to oh, <laughs> and if, and and you, you don't you don't automatically grow a ballast. So you're not just going to sink all of a sudden. <laughs> Or what if you're like stuck in one of these underground, under underground like lakes, like or a cavern system that's filled with water? Like oh, you, yeah. you know, you're gonna be able to go up and down and all over the place and get lost. You know, just want to make sure you're near the surface somehow. Yeah. <clears throat> bring your flashlight. Yeah, just bring a book. <laughs> just hang out for a couple hours. <laughs> uh, the next one oh, is man. probing telepathy. If a creature communicates telepathically with the abolith, the abolith learns that creature's des- greatest desire. Um, if it can see the creature, which is a weird caveat, but okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of sight bound, like line of sight bound things like that. I, I always seem a little bit odd. Yeah. I guess it's because like there, there's a pretty, in these games, there's a big emphasis on, on precise senses versus imprecise sentences as well. I mean, Pathfinder is very specific about it, but probably maybe less so, but I feel like it's implied here. Um, that uh, you know, it's it's sight bound, so they have to know where the creature is exactly in order to reach out to that specific spot. And sight is like the be all end all precise sense most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it's just like Ghost Rider looking directly into that being soul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's it for abilities. We have a okay. few attacks here. Uh, they do have multi-attack, which is three tentacle attacks. 
Mm-hmm. It is plus nine to hit, 10 foot reach, 2d6 plus five bludgeoning. You know, it's fine. Uh, if it hits a creature, that creature needs to make a DC 14 con save. Excuse me, or is diseased. The disease has a one minute delay and can be removed by any magic that can cure disease. Such After as one the spell, mi- cure disease. Yep. Go on. <laughs> After one minute, the target becomes translucent and cannot regain HP unless underwater. And at this point, it can only be removed by the heal spell or another spell of sixth level or higher. Outside of the water, that creature takes 1d12 acid damage every 10 minutes until it's moistened. (laughs) Until it's moistened. (laughs) As if we needed a worse version of moist. (laughs) (laughs) We have moistened and context with it. Goddamn. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty gnarly disease. Not gonna lie. One minute onset and then, yeah, a good, a good few things to really, really fuck up your day. No, no saver stuck here. Like if it really wants to get your barb down with this, it's got three chances every round. Just bam, bam, bam. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty wild. Uh, its next attack is a tail. It is 10 foot reach and plus 9 to hit as well. And it does 3d6 plus 5 bludgeoning damage. So a little bit higher. Um, I don't know why you'd ever go with the tail over 3 tentacles unless a creature was behind you. and Or you wanted to take it easy on your players because mm. you're a nice person. <laughs> Again, James, elder evil. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Well, I, I think I like that though. Because like with a large, this is a large creature. We covered that, right? It's a yep. large creature, not a huge. Um, not very often you would use facing. We've discussed facing before, um, but I do love the concept of facing. Like, by all means, don't use the tail. But you know, if someone's just constantly staying behind, you can make the like markedly note that the Abolith is attacking the guy that way. You know, and then someone's always on the other side, you know, use the tail. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. But it's not part of the multi-attack, eh? The tail? Nope. That seems weird. That seems weird. Because in that case, it doesn't make any it. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Change the multi-attack, guys. Just uh, everyone, just just make it three tentacles or two tentacles and a tail. Like, make make it an either or. Change it up to, like, keep, keep your party um, kind of on their feet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really cool thing. If if you need an extra one d six of damage in there, just just slap a bitch. <laughs> uh, and the next attack is our what I hope is our last trigger warning for the day. This is called Enslave, and they have three of these per day. Target is one creature can see within thirty feet, and that is a DC fourteen Wisdom save, or they magically charmed by the Abolith. Until the Abolith dies or they are on different planes. Uh, that creature okay. is fully under the Abolith's control and cannot take reactions. It can communicate telep- telepathically with the Abolith over any distance. Telepathetically. <laughs> telepathetically over any difference. Uh, like I wrote. <laughs> any difference? <laughs> yeah. Didn't even catch that. Yeah, oh, I, I was doing some of this research just stoned out of my mind watching Castle. So. I love uh, it. Uh, That's why people you should look at the show notes because they both of both of ours are oh, rife yeah. with mistakes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, whenever the charmed creature takes damage, it can then repeat the save. A successful save ends the effect, and uh, every 24 hours, the target can retake the save if they are more than one mile away. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you only get one chance every 24 hours. Okay. Yeah, if you're outside of their lair, so that one mile is mm-hmm. their regional effect range. Yeah. On top of all that fun shit, they also have legendary actions. Aha! Okay. Legendary so this Abolith is getting like four turns around. Yeah, and again, this is one of the lower, one of the lower. Uh, again, I believe the unicorn was the lowest we ever had with legendary actions, but um, yep. But this is this is among the lower as well. It is not far off. So, like all creatures, it has three legendary actions. It can only use one at a time, and at the end of another creature's turn, it these actions refresh at the start of the Abolith's turn, not at initiative count twenty with the lair actions. Okay. So its yeah, first yeah. one is detect. It makes a perception check, so essentially trying to find um, a creature or a mm-hmm. being. Tail swipe. It makes one tail attack. This is the only time you would oh, use that yeah. tail attack. That's literally why the tail attack exists. It's just yeah. for that legendary action. <laughs> okay, that actually makes way more sense. <laughs> it's not like wonderful, but it's it's there. It makes I sense. I mean, it's a free 3d6 plus 5 if you hit. And it's only <laughs> so. and that only counts as one of its three legendary actions. So you can do that three mm-hmm. times if you're in a four-player combat. Yeah, bonkers. Uh, and the last one takes two actions. It's called Psychic Drain. One creature charmed by the Abolith take just straight up takes three d six psychic damage, and the Abolith regains that health. Oh, okay. So if it's got any little little uh, enslaved creatures, uh, it can just start sapping its health to heal itself. Yep. Just just Sapping pulling an HP away from the Kuatoa or your um, your your fighter, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I'd, I'd, I'd go fighter first. They're they're probably going to have the lowest wisdom in the parties, and they hit the hardest. Yep. So why yep. not just just take them out? Well, you say that at level ten. Let's be like the marshals aren't aren't shining compared to the uh, compared to the casters, but the casters are That's likely true. to have the higher wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, well, and technically anyway. this counts as damage, so they would get another save against that enslave. Oh yeah, true enough. Yeah, so, so the abolition is less likely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or where you can fudge your rolls for NPCs or minions. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're running this with like a dozen Kuatoas, I would just make them all minions mechanically. So if they get hit, they die, but also the owls can use psychic drain against them. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's 12 little little peons to act as run interference for the Abolith, but at any point the Abolith can just knock one off the board and, and take that health back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. But honestly, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I love these creatures. These are a lot of work for a GM. Like, a lot of work. Mm. You've got regional effects yeah. to remember. You've got layer actions on the count, tw- 20 count. You've got the Abolith turn. You've got three legendary actions. Like they are, you, they're as much work as any creature we've covered in this vein. But at level 10, mm. these could kill a party. Like, not. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a reach for these things to just smoke something. Between the phas- yeah. Phantasmal Force, the pools of water to pull them closer, the enslaving. The, the tentacles, like, if you enslave a fighter and just throw it back at a wizard, 
what are the chances that wizard's gonna magic missile that fighter poke it with its staff like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah it just like you know yeah that lair action with the 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 um, uh the psychic damage and tail slap and and the disease the disease man it's like pretty and, pretty potent i mean it's a one minute delay but but like you know man combat's over a long combat. <laughs> and all of a sudden <laughs> your bard starts over. growing gills and like why you uh, just start to panic yeah <laughs> yeah oh damn not to mention the fact that you're very likely fighting this underwater no one really truly enjoys underwater combat it's a pain in the ass yep for <laughs> everybody like if you do it right it's it's just it's hard it's a difficult thing to track and and stay on top of for every everybody so yeah and again yeah. back to those layer actions everything is difficult terrain mm-hmm. like what yeah good luck everybody's moving away. at half speed except when you want to pull them towards your abolith with another <laughs> with one of those layer actions you know and if they're far away yeah. you just you start the combat 120 feet away and you just start whipping layer actions at them you know throw out that that water rage like oh, oh boy a, a party member could be down before they even get to the abolith. <laughs> yeah. Or one could get uh, there way faster. Like you fail two DC 14 strength saves and you're 40 feet closer. Like, <laughs> I imagine, your imagine you're all, you're like, okay, we're ready to fight it. We're all, but we're all too far away. We're going to start gunning it as fast as we can. It's difficult terrain. So it's, not nearly as fast as we normally can. But we're going to try. We're going to try. And all of a sudden, the fighter is way ahead of everyone. You're, everyone's going, oh, shit. <laughs> we can't. We Now we really can't get there fast enough. <laughs> yeah, or the wizard oh, slip and slides his way right up to the tide pool and gets enslaved <laughs> before the party even gets within melee range. Did you say fireball? <laughs> oh, my God. Because it is oh, under the abolist control, and it'll just start fireballing shit or whatever, yeah. you know? like th This... I kill it. I I I want to run this against a party because I think it would be so rewarding as a GM because the amount of work you have to put in would mm. be so worth it to take down a PC. Be but it would be game, so yeah. Yeah. frustrating for the players. Like <laughs> nothing about this creature lets up. There's no time where this yeah. creature is, has downtime. Normally, you get those three or four rounds in a row, and you can just bam, bam, bam. Nope, tail yeah. swipe. Nope, tail swipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh oh, three man. tentacles what is that six attacks in one round like plus its layer <laughs> actions which can do another 2d6 like oh man that's that's yep. that's some serious business yeah it's funny because this is like lore wise this is this all, everything sounds like it should be the creature you don't combat with like like a lot like so many of the other ones we've covered and but this one is both, you know, it's ready yep. for you when you, when you get in there, it, it probably doesn't really want to fight you. It's really just wants to like continue its, you know, machinations against the gods. Um, but, uh, but ultimately when you do arrive in that pool, it's going to fuck you up. <laughs> it's yeah, like, okay, this is gonna fuck oh, your day. oh, you arrived. Oh, you, you, you decide to come. Well, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And your players will be so mad because yeah. chances are, this is the first time they're encountering regional effects, lair actions yeah. and legendary actions all at once. I think the vampires run the same CR. I think it's CR nine. It, it has all the same things, but Jesus, like, 
And it's got minions because it's going to have minions. It's a cult leader. Like, yep. Oh, yeah, you're man, not, you're love not it. necessarily fighting this on your own. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this, I, really, I really want this thing to have deep scions kicking around. <laughs> that's the, I was just thinking that. So this is your yeah. deep scion. This this is your mid boss, that deep scion Kraken campaign. Like, yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> oh, love oh, it. So good. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a pretty satisfying creature, I would say. Yeah, not not Absolutely. not bad for number ninety nine. I think I think, uh, I think it was worth the worth the wait. Shabby. <laughs> but <it>. tell <laughs> us what you think, listeners. Uh, shoot us an email at info at encounterpod. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook at encounterpod or Instagram at encounter.pod where you can see all of those fantastical arts that we threw up um, throughout the visual image, including this wonderful, uh, horrifying five E art. You can uh, find uh, Critty, our little little dice logo guy there. You can find him on some merch at unchartednorth.com backslash shop. If you want a direct line to us anytime, we're always looking to hang out with you guys. You can jump into our Discord at unchartednorth.com backslash Discord. Free to all. And we love, love, love hearing about your encounters. And, and this will be the fastest way to tell me that I'm wrong about how telepathy works. And it will be the <laughs> fastest way for me to make you make your point. <laughs> uh, and if you like the show, you really like the show and you want to help us keep making them because we can't do this without our lovely audience support. You can support us, um, our, the entire network at patreon.com backslash uncharted north. $5 a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and a themed button. We're currently sitting on stemming the tide ones and uncharted north ones. And for $10 a month, you can suggest a creature. Maybe you want me to cover one of those weird ass wild mount things and I won't like it, but I'll do it. But it's going to cost you <laughs> 10 bucks a month. But you also get we'll a, a little discount code to our merch store and you can get some of that, that cool, critty themed merch. Uh, we don't have these up yet, but at some point we will have our, uh, our critty dad caps with Uncharted North on or uh, Encounter This on the top there. Um, you can see me rocking in every episode. This is this is our, our prototype from last summer that I am trying to destroy, and it is not not happening. So that is that is Standing an excellent the test of time. Yeah, uh, and if you want to help us uh, for free, nothing at all, costs you nothing. You can rate and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, scroll down a little bit. Hit hit that little bell. It'll let you know when new episodes come out. And uh, hit that subscribe button. We need all the subscribers we can get. We're still very new to this platform. We're considering uploading our previous episodes. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying this video format, and we're getting a lot of positive feedback about it, even though we're both awkward and, and hirsute white males. Um, Speak think- for yourself! <laughs> I'm very I think comfortable. we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> Loud noises. Uh, but thank you so much for checking this episode out. We will have an announcement coming out either later today or tomorrow about what's happening next. It's a very important announcement. Don't miss it if you're a longtime fan. And if you are a new fan, it will also be very important going forward. So please check that out. But until then... And until episode 100, thanks for listening.